0: The Rebbe says that before a person falls asleep, they see They see call on All of these souls of those who have departed, who are, are no longer an olam Hazet, or are no longer in the earthly plane. And the Rebbe says, "Well, how, how do we, what's the source for this?" The Rebbe says it's just like before a person leaves the world entirely, It's brought down in the and the and the Sefer book. It's written that before a person leaves the world, they see all the all the souls of their family members. And we know this from many, many accounts. Um from people across the world and living in many different times. And of many different religion, religious disciplines who have what's called NDE, a near-death experience, where they report seeing or feeling the presence of, on some level, as they stand in this quasi-state hovering between life and death, they feel the presence of their family members who have departed, who have walked the journey before them. So Rabbi Nachman says if this is true about dying, that before a person is leaving the world, as is Hashem at 120, they, they see those souls. So Rabbi Nachman says, well, the same would be true each and every time we we, we take a nap or each and every time we go to sleep. As the Gemara and Brachas tells us, sleep is one sixtieth of death. And so that means that whatever takes place on a on a on a global level, vis-a-vis a person actually leaving this world, one sixtieth of that experience is going to be tasted when a person is Going to sleep, the same thing, the same thing, very deep, incredibly deep. Of course, dreaming has what to do with this, too. And this is a bit of a different kind of conversation, but but it's related in a sense. Dreaming is one sixtieth of prophecy. And so the way that a person is able to experience the spiritual realm, you know, prophecy doesn't only mean when a person gets a message about something that's going to happen. Right? That's the way that we use the word prophecy in a more traditional colloquial sense. We'll say, you know, ah, prophet, he had a prophetic vision it means a person was able in the present to tell you what was going to take place in the future. But that's that's not that's not the, the mark of prophecy. Not necessarily. Prophecy doesn't always mean that it's a it's a message that means a person's going to know what happens. Prophecy is tapping into a, to a deeper realm through a refined sense of, of imagination, and the the, the Pasik says, these are prophetic experiences. And so when a person is able uh, to finally leave this realm after 120, they leave the body behind and they experience the fullness of, of the reality that's beyond the facade of Olam Hazel. And so sleep, which is 160th of death, is also enabling a person to have dreams, which are 160th of prophecy. So a little bit, it's a taste of a, of a different kind of experience. A different kind of experience. Dreams are so mysterious. It's a, it's a real mystery, dreams. It's a beautiful thing that a person, just parenthetically, it's a beautiful thing that a person dreams when they sleep. Because when we sleep, hopefully, you know, we have a good schluff at night. During the day, whatever, you know, every person has their different um. Hanhaga, whether they take a nap during the day or not, and there are two very uh, passionate schools of thought about that, of course, like everything or most things. But when a person goes to sleep at night and they're about to wake up in the morning, they're about to start a new day in Olam Haze, dreams, if a person dreams, I'm a person, I, I have lots and lots of dreams. Some people dream more, some people dream less, but dreams give the person the opportunity to wake up in the morning and before doing anything, Maybe even before moda'ani or as a springboard for moda'ani, a person already is rooted in a sense of mystery, a sense of wonder, a sense of humility. I just experienced as a human being with thinks I've got stuff together, something that's completely beyond me. I don't know where it took place. I don't know what that was. I don't know what I was shown or what I wasn't shown. I don't know if it was MS or Shekhar. I don't know what contributed it or what detracted from it. I don't know. But wow, that was wild. (laughs) What what was that? Beautiful. Yes. It's a beautiful way to start your day. You start your day with mystery. You start your day with wonder. And you don't have to maybe interpret every single detail of it. I'm speaking passionately now about dreams because just last night I had a really intense dream. Just remembering now, I was thinking about it in the morning. A beautiful dream, heartbreaking dream, but a beautiful dream. Um, Nebuch, my wife was te- was was telling me earlier about this story about a, a girl Loelenu Hashem um, who suffered from from intense mental illness and and Rachmanolatzan committed suicide. Um, a girl who was in seminary in the, be- in the beginning of the year some of you may know the story Hashem ishmar. and um and then earlier in the day i'm just trying to tell you how bizarre this is and how weird our brains work um and 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 how mysterious it all is you know, earlier in the day i had um i had gone to visit the hospital i had gone to visit the hospital with 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 my two ch- other children um shmoshak and, and ora and we went and Downstairs, they have a Shabbos room. So the kid's very hard for them to sit in the NICU and wait and wait and wait, you know, and it's not so interesting to them. It's exciting to see their, their baby brother, um, our premature baby who's Baruch Hashem, developing. So it's exciting for like a minute or two um, or a few minutes. But then they they need something else. So I take them downstairs. They have a Shabbos room and they have all sorts of snacks and treats. And that's our weekly thing. And they, get, they sit down and have a little feast over there. So the way into the Shabbos room is... Like a religious area, so they have a multi faith prayer room where mostly Muslims are are praying, and then right opposite that there's the the Shabbos room. And I always think, you know, like it's so like the 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 Muslims have like a room where people are praying, and Jews have a room where they're eating. It's just great. Like that's the Jewish room, just full of food, and the Islam and the Muslim room is like full of prayer. Anyway, Jews pray too. But as I was walking past the room, I noticed out of the out of the corner of my eye that there was a piano in the room that was it i just know I, I just quickly out of the corner of my eye i noticed a piano i didn't even process it so deeply it's just something I, I saw and in the dream my mind put these two things together about how there's this girl about to commit suicide and all of a sudden and it was right outside of a restaurant and the restaurant had a piano and someone started playing piano and the music mom has just brought her brought her down she was standing up perched up high And the heartbreaking music without, nobody even said anything. They just played music and a mom saved her life. That was the dream I had. So I wake up. What is that? I don't know. That wasn't me. I didn't put these two things in my brain. had these two random bits of stuff and the brain is so mysterious. The dream world is so mysterious. Sleep is as mysterious as wakefulness. And so in a wakeful consciousness, we think we have things under, we think we understand life because we're conscious, but it's not the case. Because the whole point of Yiddishkeit is to help us realize that even with our conscious minds, we don't really know what's going on, that that's the purpose of it all, is to sensitize us to the wonder of living with emunah. Hashem knows what's going on. That's why Kodesh Baruch name is unpronounceable, because what, what that means is that the essential conception of God is, is total mystery. We don't even know how to say the name. It's beyond, it's just beyond us. That's the whole point. That's what Yiddish Pet is for. So we wake up in the morning just having had an experience, a humbling experience of the mystery of the dream world, then we can start our day. So dreaming is 160th of prophecy and sleeping is 160th of death. And Rabbi Nachman says that just like before a person leaves this world, like we said before, really this like real accounts Verifiable accounts from uh, across cultures and across history, people who have, have had this experience, we call a near-death experience, who report feeling in that in that semi-alive, semi-already passing away state, that they experience the souls of their parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, or, or their spiritual masters, like souls that they were connected to. So too, Rabbi Nachman says, this happens every night before we go to sleep. 160th of death. We experience one-sixtieth of the souls seeing with our eyes, seeing the souls. Amazing thing. So I never saw them. I'm not sure if I'm unique in this way. I'm not sure if the rest of the Chavre here have seen souls before you go to sleep. Generally speaking, we don't see the souls. Right? If you've seen the souls, like actually like leave us all comment because that would be pretty amazing. But I, I don't think that we've seen the souls, right? Most of us haven't seen. So says Ibn why? He explains ba The only thing is that it happens super quickly. It just flashes by. Flashes by says Before a person leaves this world in an actual sense, as I, there's also distinctions in this experience of the souls that a person feels before they leave the world. a very great person, a holy, a refined person, they'll they'll actually see the souls. Maybe they'll even begin to interact with them. There are many stories of tzaddikim who in that hazy state one foot in this world one foot in the next they were clearly experiencing their 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 loved ones their 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 masters so there are those that you know general public the general standard populace for them also it's not every single person that will literally see the souls it also passes by like, like just a flash of lightning. It, it, it alights and it's gone. We don't even know exactly what it was. Even if you're watching a video footage, you have to pause it at just the right split second to be able to see the lightning bolt. So what, you didn't see the lightning bolt? Your eyes weren't working that split second? Of course it was. It happened too quickly. So, so says Rabbi Nachman, if this is true about the experience of seeing souls before a person really, mamish leaves the world, so, so certainly sleep, which is only one-sixtieth of death. And if a person doesn't really all the time see the souls before they literally leave the world, And this is one-sixtieth of that, so for sure it's going to be so much more difficult or so much more rare for a person to see the neshamas. It's just one-sixtieth of what it's like before a person leaves the world. A person doesn't sense it. This sight, this experience of souls. And a person's not even aware of it. Can you imagine this happens every night before we go to sleep? Shocking thing. This is a shocking assertion that before the person falls asleep, your eyes, your physical eyes will have seen the souls of those who have already gone before you. They're there. And whether it's family members, I bless us all that, as is Hashem, all of our, what's called the Yiddish in. Our, our, our older family members should live long and happy till 120 Ba'ezus Hashem, full lives, happy lives, full of health and peace. So it's not necessarily only those family members who have gone the way before us, but like he said, whoever our neshamas are connected. person learns a lot of Torah from Rabbi Nachman. Before you go to sleep, the is there. Your eyes see the Rebbe, the going, from whatever camp, whatever a person's connected to. They're not so far. They're not so far away. The Olam HaNashamus is a whole lot closer than we think. So close that each and every night a little bit of a portal opens up. The veil is taken away. And you go to sleep accompanied with the sub, 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 spiritually conscious vision of your loved ones. It's an incredible thing. But we don't really experience it. Because it's just a very, very, very delicate glimmer. one sixtieth of what is also possibly a vague vision of before a person leaves this world and goes, goes to the next world. But the MS says, Rebbe Nachman, the truth is, before we fall asleep, we see everything there is. HaKol Raya. Koydu Mashenu. See everything. For a flash brief, just brilliant s- spark of a second. So what's the depth of this? What does this mean? This is the end of the teaching. So what did he teach? Right? If someone were to ask you, what, what does Rabbi Nachman say in Sikhas in Sadi? Like so, what am I supposed to do with this? It's a good thing to know. You know, maybe like I said before, I was trying to give a bit of meaning, a bit more meaning. You know, it, it um it sends us off with peace of mind. What's the message here? And a person could ask even more broadly: Forget about what Rabbi Nachman means to teach us in Tartzadi. Why did Hashem put it in the Bria? Like, if this is true, but a person doesn't know about it, and if we hadn't been learning Sikha Aran, or we didn't learn it from other Sfarim, wherever it's quoted from. We would never know this. So what's the depth of it? Why is it built into the Bria that our neshamas should have this experience? What's the message? So, to reiterate, like I've mentioned in many, many other classes, Rabbi Nachman is so deep and so nuanced and so multifaceted that any one person giving over Rabbi Nachman is going to necessarily just be one uh, like fragment of a fragment of a facet so anything i say is just suggestion especially when i say not is suggestion and maybe even the way that i read the rabbi nachman's words himself is just my is my way of reading it that doesn't mean that there aren't other ways that there certainly are other ways other approaches so over here i'm going a little bit into into sort of my angle on it just have to make that clear from the outset. this is just my approach many, many wonderful, beautiful approaches. Maybe this is one of them. I don't know. But this is what Manishama is uh, is saying. So I want to share that with you. When I was learning this piece in Seychah Saran, I, I have a note in the side of my Sefer, Seychah Saran, which is here. I use this uh, edition a number of years ago. So I, I had a note on the side of it to take a look at this teaching in Lakutya Maran. I guess a few years ago when I was learning this, maybe the first time, I think there's a connection with this teaching. So let's turn to Lakutamran or just scroll down to Lakutumran, makes it easier. 254. ration and Dalid. And the Tzaddik says like this. Ibn Nachman says the eyes are incredibly elevated and lofty things. Which you have to understand, okay, for some of for most, I would say for all of us are already initiated into these kinds of teachings. But for, like, when I learned these, like, at 18 years old, 17, 18, you read a sentence like that, it's like, what does this even, what does that mean? Eyes are lofty things? Like, there are physical balls in my eyes that help me see. Like, it's a completely different language. It's a completely different language. It's like, you you won't find, you know, in the the standard texts, even, I would say, standard religious texts, that speak in such a way, a eyesight. Eyes, incredibly deep and lofty thing. And, and and what it does for us when we learn things like this, that it opens a door into a brand new way of looking at literally. Okay, here it's talking about eyes, a brand new way of looking at life. I'll give you another mashal, another example, and I've said this in the past. One of the one of the most I, I would say one of the turning points for me in my early, hopefully, I'm still in my early years. I hope always to be in my early years, <inaudible> no matter how old I become. And I hope to also live long and happy years, but I always stay young. But when I was just starting this journey into the world of Hasidas and really being M- Mavakish Hashem, when I started this journey. One of the great turning points, especially in the world of Rabbi Nachman, was a short little teaching, is a short little teaching still, And in for Sikha Hasran, where Rab records that at one point Rabbi Nachman's talus got rubbed out. He needed a new talus. Of course, Rabbi Nachman's talus not a simple thing. And so all the Hasidim wanted, you know, that they should get the Rebbe's old talus. And the Rebbe gave the talus to one of the Hasidim. And I remember reading there, I was probably reading in the English because I couldn't really read Hebrew properly back, you know, back then. Um, despite a yeshiva education, but uh, took me took me time to learn how to how to read properly. Um, that Rabbi Nachman told this Chassid, be careful with this talis. And the lesson is, as many threads as there are in this talis, that's how many tears I cried. Said Rabbi Nachman, "La das mazet To know what a talis is. And I remember that having a huge impact on me because, again, on the simple level, everyone knows what a talus is. It's a prayer shawl. We know what it is. We know where to get one. Some of us know how to tie the tzitzis on the corners. What's the big deal? But the Rebbe says, like, I cried thousands and thousands and thousands of tears to know maze talus. So it's, it's far deeper than I know. So the same thing here. Eyes. Deepest things in the world. And the eyes are constantly seeing incredibly deep and lofty, wondrous things. Wondrous things that I see all the time. And if a person merits to have holy, refined eyes, He would just know the deepest secrets of the universe. Because of what he sees with his eyes, came Roya's Talmud. Because the eyes are always seeing the, 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 the most incredible mysteries. But he doesn't know what he sees. So deep. So deep. The eyes are always seeing the most incredible things. But we, we just don't know what, what, what we're seeing. For example, and this is why I think there's a deep connection between this and the teaching that we're learning in Sikha Saran. For example, When you take something, not the thing's not blurry. It's a beautiful picture. And you hold it before a person's eyes, and then before they get a chance to really take it in, you 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 remove it. Or you take the picture and you just pass it in front of their face. So the person won't have had time to process what it is that he's seeing. So it says Rebbe Nachman, it's a strange thing, because at the split second that it was in front of his eyes, it's not because his eyes didn't see it. His eyes saw it. He didn't have one eye closed, and he wasn't squinting. His, eye. his eyes were open and seeing. But in But even so, he won't know what he saw. Because even though it's true that his eyes saw the thing, because it was so quick. He didn't have enough time. For his brain to process what it was that his eyes were seeing. The eyes are called the Sarsur the Chazal, all the eyes are are, uh, like agents. They go out into the world and they bring back a message. But if it's too quick, so then the brain doesn't have a, a chance to process what it is that they saw. Because in order to understand what it is that a person sees, this requires das, consciousness, not just thinking, wisdom. Das is consciousness. But in, in order to experience consciousness, this takes time for the consciousness to activate and to process. For the person to spend at least a little bit of time focusing with presence, and that's going to be uber important, we're going to get to that in a, middle, in a minute, to focus with presence of mind, Yishuv hadas is presence, literally presence of mind, in order to be able to connect with what it is that's being seen so they can process it properly. So that there's time for the KaR which we described as the agent, Rabbi Nachman says this in other places as well, to go out into the world, see the thing, and then bring it back into the, into the consciousness. So then the person's mind is able to process what it is that the eyes saw. Because we're seeing everything, that we're seeing great things, great things, deep things, mysteries, but so quick. But it's so quick. So it's just the eyes that are seeing it. But there's no time because the person already is moved on or the thing passed by. There's no time for there's to be an interaction between what the eyes see and what the consciousness comprehends. It's incredibly deep. Well, we're going to get into what this means in a minute. And that's why we don't know what it is that we're seeing. Again, each and every moment, each and every person is seeing visions, spiritual visions, ecstatic, transcendent visions. He may be likened to a person who sees a beautiful portrait, but it's immediately removed from his eyes the person doesn't know what he's seeing and the Rebbe says understand this and on this piece you could also say what's the point what is the Rebbe saying we always have to develop the ability not just to listen but to be means to, 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 to listen beyond what we're hearing because you can hear a thing but listen like What's really being said, not the words and not even the meaning of the words. What is it? What does the Rebbe mean to say? So the first thing is, I hope, I think that the connection between um, the Sichos Ran Sadi and the Quito two fifty four is understood. Right? These these are these are connected teachings. Because in Tzichas Ram it's just a more particularized um, example of one of the wondrous things that a person's eye sees that the person can't process because of what's called Havara alma because it just passes by super quickly. In Lukut the teaching that we're learning is much more universal. And it says that a person sees wondrous things all the time, doesn't nis- uh, particularly say what those things are. In Tzichas Ram we speak about one particular thing, souls, the souls. As an aside, and then I'm gonna to get to the to the to the main point. I wish I could tell you a more exact source. Because I don't have the safer in front of me, and the safer is not set up in an orderly way. But the Ramchala has a safer called Adir Bamarin. Adir Bamarin is a Pirish, I believe, on the Idra Rabba. I believe. The Idra Zuta, but I think it's the Idra Rabba. And it's, I mean. It's jaw-dropping. It's, it's beyond whatever I was able to understand of it. Tiny, tiny little bits, uh, flex at a time, but I, I still couldn't put it down. And then that's how you know it's a really, really good Safer when you understand maybe 6% and you're glued to it. It was my Safer for this morning, um, a little bit before davening, after davening, uh, being out the, the laning. And it took about a year, and I just... Toward the end of the Safer, he speaks about Ra'iyah. And over there, he explains that the physical koach of riyah is the most limited form of our experience of the of the capacity for sight that goes well beyond what the eyes, the physical eyes, can see. Parenthetically, and I'm saying a lot of side things, but parenthetically, even physical eyesight is is much more profound than what we experience. We experience things in our periphery. What do we refer to by peripheral vision? We look at the thing that we're looking at. We focus on it. We see that thing peripherally. Somebody passes by in the side as the same kind of thing. We might not know what we're seeing because it's in our peripheral vision. We just tell like a form of someone about presence, something happened peripherally. But the truth is that the eyes can see perfectly clearly all around, meaning the peripheral vision can be seen absolutely clearly when a person looks in one place, that peripheral realm is also being seen with crisp, perfect clarity by the person's eyes. But there's something in the mind that limits the, 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 the clarity of the periphery because it would be it would be just too much. They call the re- the reduction valve of the of the mind just reduces the input because it would be well too intense. Imagine imagine that a person walks out to the street and they see all around the front of their of of their body on from both sides all the way around in a a perfect semicircle with total clarity. Go out your mind. It would be it would be well way too stimulating. It It would be too much too intense and so even physically our brains are limiting what the eyes are capable of doing. Says the Ramchal, Re'ia is a spiritual thing, and our soul will see things. And he speaks over there because we think that Re'ia is limited to our eyes. But of course, we know that the eyes are just the way that the soul, that is a seeing being, expresses its capacity for sight in the physical world, its eyes. In the same way that the soul, which is a hearing being, expresses its capacity for hearing through the ears. The soul, which is a speaking being, expresses its capacity for communication through the mouth. But the neshama is not limited to eyeballs. The neshama is a, is 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 a seeing entity. All of it is a seeing entity. So he goes at great, great, great length and in great depth to talk about what the what 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 it's so deep. What we don't even think about it this way. Our whole nishama is seeing all the time uh, in the deepest deepest way not just seeing from it, from our eyes that's in a physical sense and the mom is seen so we, that also has to be understood as being a part of the mix over here that where we speaks about eyes seeing things in in such a deep way we should understand that on an neshama level this is also true the neshama is plugged into a deeper layer layer of reality and this is rooted in in in, in much more elevated spiritual concepts where uh, where a person's perceiving a whole lot more than he or she is ever aware. But going back to the Nakuda to the point, or more accurately, wondering about the Nakuda about about what the point of all this is. What are these Dvarim gedolim what does it mean more? when Rabin says in the first sentence of Torah, Kuch Nun Dalad, nun Dalad rather? 254, the eyes are so lofty and elevated, and the eyes are constantly seeing just amazing things. What, what are these amazing things that the person is seeing? The end of the paragraph. The person doesn't know what they're seeing. So the Rebbe says at the end of the Torah, this word, "vahavin," and understand this. And bina is already particular. Like I said before, every person's going to have their own understanding. But when I read lakuta and I want to look for the Rebbe's guidance, and the Rebbe's voice, and what the Rebbe is really saying Beyond the words that he's using, what I hear is that this world is a truly wondrous place. Life is wondrous. Life. Every single facet, aspect, detail, uh, 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 experience of life. Is a davar the and that's what the rabbit says. Ve tamid the eyes are constantly seeing, mamish. I'm saying, even on a physical level, I understand there are and deeper spiritual soul sight. I get all that, and that's true. I'm telling you what this teaching says to me, and maybe you'll find some relevance for you. Every split second, we talk to another person at the water cooler at the office and we schmooze about anything. Just the most mundane experience of the human condition, whatever it is. Incredibly elevated, lofty, wondrous, miraculous. Beyond. Why don't we see it? Rebbe says very simple. You're going too fast. You're rushing. We're rushing through life. We're going too quickly. So the rabbi says, it's not that you're not seeing it. It's there. It's in plain sight. It's in front of us. It's everything. It's every second. It's it's every experience. It is, the forget every experience. It's the experience of experience. Just being Sensing, feeling existing in this realm, the wonders of telling. So we're seeing it because it's all we ever see. But Adam Ma but we do so without any consciousness. Why? Because Mavirandavalafnaya because we're in such a rush all the time. And so we never take the moments granted to us to sit with what we called before yishuv of which is a central concept in Bresla, presence of mind, to make sure that whatever it is that we're engaging with, we do so with full consciousness. If we did that, says the Rebbe, Including every single aspect of every particular detail of each and every one of our specific unique lives, from the moment we wake up to the moment that we go to sleep, if we went slow, we'd see. Devarim eating breakfast, talking to our our children. Speaking to our spouse, walking, breathing, davening, learning, thinking, experiencing wonder and awe. If we do so with das, with consciousness, how do we do that? What's the most fundamental element of approaching life with das? The Rebbe says the secret over here. Give it time. And he, he says, he's so, he's so generous. He doesn't say give it tons of time. He says, well, that, sorry, k'sas zman, some time? That's what a bracha is for, by the way. The reason we make brachas is ksas zman. Before we take something in our mouth, ksas zman. Pause. A bracha is the opportunity to pause. Ksas man. Like Herb Sadik says, we've said this in previous and that's why masekhaz brachas is the beginning of shas. It's the same concept. Before you jump into the Yama Talmud, to the ocean of Talmudic and, and halachic investigation and, and learning, masekhaz brachas, ksasman, because that's what brachas are. Take some time to remember what is the tachlis of what I'm about to engage with. That's why Rosh Hashanah is at the outset of every year. Ksas Before we jump into a new time period, take some time. Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah. The first halacha in Shulchan Aruch. Shivisi Hashem leneg Before moving into the halachas of 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 all of of Everything in the morning, getting dressed, using the restroom, you know, that sits us to all those halachas of there at the beginning of our of, of Chaim. Don't rush. Don't rush because you'll miss it. Because you'll miss it. So the Rebbe says we need in order for our minds to be able to fully process the magnitude. The enormity of what it is that our eyes are already seeing. Because you can see everything and you can mamish miss everything there is. Can mamish miss it? You know, the Gemara in, in Tainas, also Gemara in Shabbos, says a strange thing. I may have mentioned this in the past also, but these are some of my favorite teachings. So it's Kedaita to, to review them. And I love saying them over. And I hope one day I could live like this. But if I don't speak about it all the time, I'll definitely not live like this. So at least the least I could do is just remind myself all the time. The Gemara says that taking big steps takes one five hundredth away from a person's eyesight. Okay, one five hundredth Hamesh mode of a person's of a person's eyesight. And The Gemara in Shabbos says, what's the remedy? When does the eyesight come back? The Gemara says, Friday night. Friday night when we stand for Kiddush, whether we're the one making the Kiddush, at Kiddush Friday night, whatever eyesight we lost during the week from our big steps comes back Friday night. And that's why Shabbos is connected. Take small steps on Shabbos. So what's the, again? We ask the same question. What again? Yes, you and I and everybody else could open up the Gemara and read that. And you ask them, what did you learn? Well, they'll read you what Chazal say? I get it. But what did they say? And this I, I feel like so many times we're not learning like, like this. You have to go deeper, 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 deeper. It's not enough just to read the mamachazal or the Agada and to be able to say, "This is what it says on Tainas, Davlam." Uh, okay, that's the very end of time daf, whatever on whatever mesachah, fine. But what are they saying? What is the Gemara saying? That if you take five hundred big steps, or or, or or big every big step is one five hundred, and it comes back by kiddush. On Shabbos, and so again, humbly, and I'm sure it means a million things. And every person needs to see what does it say to me, not just to hear what it, what it meant to someone else, because that's all different thing. Everybody's got their own their own Kabbalah satyra, their own letter in the tire their own their own lens. It's gotta it's gotta be yours. So, what it says to me is that if we take big steps during the week because we're rushing through life. We're not going slowly. We're not giving sass, man. We're taking big steps. The Gemara says it's going to ruin your eyesight, meaning it's going to get in the way of you being able to really see life. To mamish see it. And Shabbos, when we slow everything down, when we stand with our families, or our friends, or our community, holding the kiddush cup and everything stops our eyesight begins to come back. I can look at my children in an infinitely deeper way than I looked at them on on Wednesday when I was rushing out to here and they were rushing in from there and we pass each other. Friday night. Look around the table. Hit the pause button on existence. Spouses, friends, our eyesight comes back. Because on Shabbos again, poison by psia kitana. Shabbos is all about taking small steps. Don't rush on Shabbos. So, an aspect of the Beis HaMikdash. We know how they used to walk toe to heel, toe to heel. What's the depth of that? Again, because the temple, and Shabbos famously is a temple in time, a palace in time. It's the same idea. Shabbos and Beis HaMikdash are very, very connected. The temple, a place which is meant to foster awareness of Hashem, has to be a place where you go slowly. Because if we rush, we're going to miss it. The whole point is that the Torah is is trying to help us foster the spiritual, religious experience of the divine. It's not just a law following and ritual and, and dogma and tradition. It's meant to do something to the human. It's meant to initiate us into a more wakeful way of living, like we always say. And so in this sense, the Beis HaMikdash, you can't run in the Beis. You have to walk very, very slowly. Shabbos, which is the Beis HaMikdash in in time, you can't rush. And so by Kiddush, Friday night, and there's a big Indian to look, very deep thing, to look into the Kiddush cup. During Kiddush, a huge yichud, not getting into the depth of that. Everything slows down. Everything slows down. I get my eyesight back. This is the Indian of Shabbos. This is the Indian of going slow, walking slowly. Not rushing. Not rushing. So there's presence of mind that's able to really see what's being seen, the MS. To really see. In this week's parasha, I just heard this morning, we were privileged to have Rabbi Emmanuel Bernstein, so a prolific author and and uh, Rebbe in yeshivas and seminary. So he came and spoke. Phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Soft-spoken, biting sense of humor. Um, incredible token. He was incredible. So one thing he said, which is so beautiful, he said um, that we have an azayashir. This is his parashat chris So we have an azayashir. Beruach hapecha ne'er mumayim. That means, on a simple level, we say it in Yashir with the with the spirit, with the wind, so to speak, of Hashem's mouth, Nar mumayim, the water's piled up. The word arema means a pile, and Rashi brings that. So he said this incredible uh a uh, uh, targum that I never s- noticed before. I never heard anybody speak about it. He said the targum says, not ne'er mumayim, that the water's piled up like arema, but he says, Ne'ermumayim Chakimu maya. Chakimu from Lushen, Chacham. The waters became wise. How did he get wise from, from the word Ne'er mumayim? Because the first time that Shorish appears in the Torah, it's in the context of a Hanachash hayo arum mikol chayes ha So Targum Unkelis says, what does it mean that the waters split? Chakimu maya. They became conscious. They became conscious. Unbelievable thing. And so that's what he said, right? And now when I was preparing the shir and I'm thinking about this idea and trying to figure this out, what does it mean? What does it mean to me? What's it going to mean to the holy, precious, incredible souls that I'm I'm zoha to learn these teachings with every week? What does it mean? So I remembered the medrash. The medrash that says... The pasuk says Hayam ra vayanos the sea saw and it and it, and it, uh, and it ran and it ran away. Says the Gemara Ma ra? What did the sea see? Right? S e a s e e. What did the sea see? The sea saw a roinai shaliyosi the coffin that held the bones of Yosef Tzaddik that Moshe had gone back to pull out of the, to, to cause to rise out of the river. And this is what the, the sea saw. What's the connection? For Sadiq and others, I think it's it's pretty obvious the connection. How did how did we know? Meaning, how did the Gemara know that that's what Hayam raa That that's what the the saw the sea saw. But of tongue twister. That's what the sea saw. And the answer is the next word. Vayanos. Where do we find that word? Vayanos Yosef That when stuck in a in in this temptation of Eishas Potifar Yosef Atzadik at left his his garment behind in her hand, and he. He ran out. he escaped outside. So that's what the sea saw. not that the sea saw and it ran, but rather the sea saw by saw Yosef HaTzadik. Now Rabbi says, and Rabbi says, in the other one that the sea understood that if Yosef HaTzadik is able to break his nature, his teva, and he can become something else. Something beyond what we'd expect the human being to, to do or how the human will should behave in that circumstance, the sea the said, I can become I can become solid. I can leave my watery texture and I can transcend my goddarm. I can transcend my boundaries as well, or I can adopt new limitations in the same way that he Sadek adopted. And committed to limitations. Hayam ra'a So I was thinking, in, just because I heard it this morning, in the context of this teaching, what do Chazal mean to tell us? Hayam ra'a. Chazal don't say that the, that the sea saw um, the Aaron of Yosef and Just like it's something that the sea, if it could have, so so to speak, some kind of uh, of capacity to see. It's just a thing that was in the presence of the sea. That's not what Chazal mean to communicate. They mean to tell us when they speak about seeing almost a meditative contemplative, I think that's the way you pronounce it, a contemplation of the thing that's being seen. That's called re'iyah meaning what it means for something to see something else is not just to see it pass by it's to contemplate it to focus on it to extract the lesson from it and the mela that's what it means there's a direct correlation between sight and, in, and intellect or consciousness. Hakim umaya. What does it mean? The ocean, it was, it was wise. It means the same thing that hayam Ra. Because there's a direct correlation between real sight, like mom is seeing something, and, and being able to contemplate it, being able to feel it, being able to understand it in such a deep way. And this is why, if you look in Rashi, it's right there open. If you look in Rashi, in the very beginning of the Torah, where after Adman Khabi from the Eitz Sadas, the Pasik says, that their eyes opened up, Rashi says, chachma. they had, they had a Chachma, they had a chachma. So you can reverse engineer that also, right? What does it mean to have Chachma? It means your eyes are open. So going back, with this will finish, going back to the piece in Sikha Saran, maybe this is the deepest, deepest thing that Rabbi Nachman means to communicate to us. Person goes to sleep at night means they're putting yesterday aside and they're about to prepare themselves for a new day. And in HaTorah, a new day is not just a successive day in the week, just like yesterday was a day, today's a day, and then at the day after that will be another day. And we call them by names and we give them a unit called a week. In HaTorah, forget about each. <laughs> each day each minute is a whole new spiritual reality but certainly each day is an olam acher legam. is nothing to do yesterday from tomorrow completely 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 different every day is a whole new world so in the subset of preparing myself for a completely new opportunity to live which we call a new day a completely new opportunity to live irrespective of what happened yesterday brand new fresh HaKadosh Baruch wants to teach us this lesson that sits at the foundation of the meaningful life. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, two, he teaches two lessons through the tzaddik's communication. Number one, the eyes are capable of seeing a whole lot more than you think. Number two, if you go too quickly, you're gonna miss it. Number, and really number three, the thing that HaKadosh Baruch who chooses to show our eyes and then lets us know that we missed it because it happened too quickly is the souls that have already left this world who owe oh, what they would give for just one minute back in Ulam When you put these three things together, it's a masterclass in meaningful living that we're able to absorb right before we go to sleep. Just remember this. My eyes are seeing great things. I'm missing it because it's happening too quickly. And one day, my soul will also leave the, the, my, my body and go to the next world. How much we should appreciate each wakeful opportunity to experience another minute, another second, another hour, another day, another week, another month, and so on. This, to me, is the meaning of Sih Sadi. Sa'adi. And this, I think, is how we can make it practical and take this teaching and implement it so that we, we, we remember this as we're drifting off to sleep a Baruch Hu is preparing me as I drift off into the realm of dreams, so we said in the very beginning of this year, I, another masterclass in wonder, humility, I'm preparing myself to live tomorrow. So I don't rush through it. I go through it slowly, carefully, with and in this sense, the Pasuk says in um, the Let your garments be white all the time. I remember seeing from one of the tzaddikim, forgetting who, that when do we wear white garments, or at least the Mikubalim on Shabbos? Shabbos, they had the the minute just to wear completely white. Rabbi Nachman, through the end of his life, started to take on the Sanhaga as well. Just white on Shabbos. So if wearing white is Shabbos, so then essentially what Shlomo HaMelech is saying is, Shabbos should should be every time. Not just one day a week. We should make our whole week Shabbos stick. A little bit, our clothes should be white the whole week long. Shabbos stick the whole week long. How do we make our week Shabbos stick? Small steps. And that's the vision of emuna. That's why Shabbos is connected to the eyes. Shabbos is, the Zarkah says, a shin bas. Shin is the three, what's oh, called the classic g'vana de'ina, the three different parts of the eye. The white, and then the, and then the eye, and then the pupil inside. And bass is the way, also the way we refer to a pupils. Bass ayin. So Shabbos is shin bass. There's very deep connections between Shabbos and riya because we go slow. We go a little bit slower. Appreciate things a little bit more, more deeply, without rushing. And in that way, we should be uh, zeirichet, not only to just theoretically know that our eyes are seeing great things, but to really see them. To mamish see them. Be'ezus Hashem. And to share that way of living with others, so that we can live in a in a in an elevated, wakeful way, the Okay, thank you so much. It's so wonderful to see everybody, and everybody else. Thank you so so much for joining. you a beautiful rest of the week. Chazak Mats.